0: And we are live with our 202nd episode of Absolute AppSec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter. Joined by my co-host Seth Law at Seth Law on Twitter. Seth, say hi.
1: Hey, everybody. Uh, Welcome back to another episode. Um, I know we've tweeted out a fair bit uh, about a guest today, um, but apparently there's some technical difficulties and some other things going on. Uh, So we will be... um, I'm winging it a little bit today as we talk through a number of other things. We've always got a list, a laundry list of items. And as everyone knows, AppSec is fairly dynamic. And so we'll get into some other stuff today. Uh, First things first, there are still some slots available for KernelCon training um, in a few weeks. Uh, And this is a great opportunity to get practical secure code review under your belt, look at some code. Ken and I were running through the updates this last week for the course. I'm super excited about the changes that we are making and some of the new introductions that we're pushing into the course. Uh, Just new stories. I mean, it's been a couple of years since we, we came up kind of with the flow and the stories and everything that went into it. So of course there's new stuff that's popped up and new examples that we can throw into it as well as new code. And we've got a better idea of how to actually do that because we've given it a few times. So it's a good opportunity. First public course in a while, and come support Colonel Khan if you can. Um, otherwise, um, I'm not sure what has happened to Hasib. So we are going to talk about some other things. We'll start out with a tweet that popped up from Jason Haddix yesterday. Um, but before we get into that, Ken, was there anything else that you wanted to, um, yeah, that you wanted to mention before we jump into it?
0: I'm trying to think. No, I, there's nothing I can I can think of off the top of my head. So, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Ken's be, you know, getting distracted by other things, so that's fine. No, I, you know what it is, man? I got
0: a phone call. So this is clever. I have Inevitable. I, I told yeah. you what I'm waiting for, for, for yep. service at the uh, house I'm selling, right? And uh, they took that as an opportunity to call me. And of course I have to respond because like any minute they could go over there. I don't know. It's like an impromptu emergency thing. They took that as a time to call me from their number to try and resell me on re-upping my maintenance plan with them. So that's, uh, that's, uh, yeah, of course, that, that was why I jumped on that call. I thought it was an emergency instead it was a sales call. So anyways, uh, all right. So back to not being distracted. Um, no, I don't really have anything to add. I mean, you've covered it. We're doing kernel con training. We have more training coming out. You and I are working on some things, but I don't really want to talk about too many of those things until we're actually live. How about the sponsorship packet? We've had that built for a while. Are we like ready to distribute that or are we close or. Yeah. We yeah. Better? We're
1: close. And that, I mean, I forgot to, that, that's a good call out, right? Like obviously Ken and I are not like, you know, we haven't done sponsors in the past. So that's a new thing that is that's, that's up and coming. Um, the current episodes are sponsored by Redpoint Security. And there will be other opportunities for others to actually come in and and sponsor as well. Redpointsecurity.com for code security application security consulting. Um yeah, but that should be live. I know you and I just need to push that out to the to the website. I think we're we've got the um the the numbers dialed in and it'll be interesting to see you know who. Uh, who wants to uh sponsor and all of that um yeah, other than that the the main thing that we wanted to start with um was a good thread um on the twitters right uh from Jason haddock's this last week right um and uh yeah i I mean I'll jump into it first of all right uh the question that he asked is new school skill sets for appsec testers? Um, Jason's a good friend. We've known him for years, uh, and he's been on the podcast at least once, maybe twice. I can't remember at this point. might be time to have him back on. But he asks um, about the evolving skills needed for AppSec, right? If you still want to remain testers, what skills should people add? So you're currently in the space. What is it that you used to do to stay up to date, or what are the skills that you are looking for, or you're trying to maintain? And I know you had a good, you know, number laundry list that you posted, um, but what was your initial take there? Actually, I think what you I I, I wanted to talk about what you posted because um okay you mentioned graph <laughs> GraphQL. What yes. Uh so I, like I have a tendency to respond on Twitter with like this is what's in front of my face right now. This has been an interesting like research project. Um I think in general there's like uh, there's there's always new stuff that pops up, right? And I think you you jumped in to try to address that. Um my response to that was GraphQL. Um I've seen more and more GraphQL endpoints pop up over the over the past probably 3 years, 4 years. Um, more and more apps that interact with it, you know, your SPA, your single page applications that interact with an API. And I understand the developer want and need to use GraphQL because it allows you to ask for everything that you need, similar to a database, and get that back all in a single response, right? Um, You can query and mutate at the same time. There's all sorts of advantages to it. But my initial take was you need you as a tester need to understand GraphQL and how to manipulate GraphQL. Um, and that's from hey, I'm doing a penetration test or I'm doing an application security assessment, a source code review, and want to understand the nuances of how to query what authorization actually goes into accessing data for this application. Um, but the custom queries and the ability to Create custom queries and mutations for GraphQL is going to pay dividends. The more testing that you do, um, you know, part of me wants to dive back out. If if I had more time, dive back into the bug bounty world and actually just look at GraphQL endpoints because there are. It's such a an interesting space. The way the edge cases exist in GraphQL. So like when you make a query. The, the authorization rules can be written in such a way that maybe they only apply to the first like level of queries and not to the secondary ones or tertiary or like you know the the way that you can embed query upon query upon query inside of graphql makes things super interesting and you can create these kind of never ending loops in, inside of a query to to perform denial of service and that's that's kind of the easy one but now I'm going all into, you know, GraphQL specifics, Ken. But understanding, like, the APIs that applications interact with, I think is probably the better, uh, you know, or the summary of what that is, GraphQL being one of the major ones. I don't think you went too far into it. I'd actually add that uh,
0: the last... Oh, so obviously, as part of what I'm what I'm building um, at Dry Run, uh, doing a lot of, like... Uh, kind of interviews of different developers and environments and things of that nature. Also, uh, probably lesser obvious is that I still do uh, review code often, right, for, um, for various folks. So, to stay relevant. So, why bring that up? It's becoming very clear to me that RESTful API endpoints are being converted to GraphQL API endpoints. When I saw it the first time, and you know what I'm referencing, Seth, when I saw it the first time, I was like, oh. Because usually, you know, I've seen it su- such that REST and GraphQL are supported, but that was the first time I've seen just a complete replacement of REST. Well, lately, as I've been doing these interviews, people are moving more to GraphQL and less away from or, or away from REST and more towards GraphQL, which is pretty interesting um, for a number of reasons. Obviously, The traditional HTTP request we would craft um, components of that still work, still uses the put patch, post, delete, all that kind of HTTP method stuff still has the same general structure in terms of having headers and then a, a body, right? Mm-hmm. The body itself being very different though, right? That's that's the actual, like you said, a query and a mutation. And, and, and from my understanding, a query is more like, you know, sending get requests to an endpoint. And uh, mutations are more like stateful cha- state changing actions like uh, post, put, patch, delete kind of stuff. Um, wow. So having done some homework on how authorization works in the GraphQL libraries that you can include into your framework, I realized that there is a lot just like there is with restful endpoints there is a lot of room for flexibility in how you implement authorization and unless you pay for because like uh the the graphql ruby one for instance has like a pro version where then you have some ways to hook like existing authorization uh libraries in like can can or um i forget the uh, actually i'll just say can can because i can't remember right now like the other the other uh, options they listed to plug into in any case, people aren't, I mean, anyways, I I don't know if people are using that too, too heavily. I definitely know I have seen custom authorization schemas built and that's really when you get yourself into some trouble. So the two main major points, I I think I would summarize all that tangent with my incoherent tangent would be we're converting rest to GraphQL more and more frequently. So, it is a, even though the the body of the request looks different, how the internals uh, occur, like how parameters and how values are taken and how authorization is performed and all of that, that's going to be, that's like, there are definitely nuances that are going to be very different from like a RESTful API. And so you have to like get up to speed on that and probably very quick. So if you're not looking into GraphQL, look into it. The other second part of that primarily being that, um, You know, like I said, it's kind of the Wild West right now. Uh, So we know it's going into use and we know it's kind of the Wild West right now in terms of vulnerabilities. Um, So I agree with GraphQL being a a big part of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It looks like um, Hasib has joined. So I'll add him to the stream here shortly. Um, Yeah, I, I like It's interesting from a code perspective when we start talking about GraphQL and about authorization, right, like where authorization is actually implemented. And I do feel like it's kind of changed the location of that, right, like more of a... Uh, we're closer to the data is where the authorizations need to occur, right? Or the authorization checks where it used to be that we could be right on that, right on the surface. And when we, you know, depending on what they're asking for, but those queries get so complex that it's very, very difficult to actually implement.
0: Yeah. Um, well, and because of how GraphQL is implemented and how much like inheritance and uh, abstraction magic is occurring, then then what you really see is like um, the opportunity for authorization to be placed in so many different places, right? And I mean, it's not even standard in where authorization gets applied. Like what I mean by that is, uh, I'll continue with the GraphQL Ruby version there. Uh, In a typical Rails application, the decorators are done in a very specific way. They're before action that occurs inside of a controller file. That's like, boom, easy story to understand. Always gonna look like that. Very rare that it won't look like that. That is not at all the case for for GraphQL. Like that that authorization, how it looks like, there's no specific rhyme or reason, right? It's just how you decided to implement it. It could be on a per mutation, per query basis. It could be that you've grouped your mut- mutations and queries by logical sort of business function, and then that maps to a specific level of access that you would need, and then that's gets applied to. Uh, that unit of those GraphQL mutations and queries. I mean, it's,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah. it's,
0: it's crazy to me. It's, it's, there's, that is the one that I'm like, man, good luck, like,
1: good luck. <laughs> it's, yeah, the conversion really know the, that in and out. Yep, yep. The conversion is where, and that's what I'm saying, right? Like, you know, the traditional like decorator or the traditional attribute that you could use for authorization check, it does not necessarily apply in the same way because you just don't understand what they're asking for at that level. When you first come into an application like like one of those Rails applications that we were just looking at, it, as it goes deeper, you've got to you've got to get closer to the data. That's what I was trying to uh, to iterate there. So sweet. Uh, um, but you know, take a look at that, right? Like I know there's other things uh, as far as like what people should should keep up to date on, and maybe with that, we'll also ask Hasim uh, or Hasib. Sorry about that, Hasib. Um, from Ifani here, uh, you know what his thoughts are on, you know, staying relevant, right? Um, and specifically in the mobile space. But first of all, I'd like to introduce Haseeb Awan. Am I saying that right, Haseeb? That's right. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Good, good. Um, from Ifani Secure, and if you've looked into Afani before, uh, they are a mobile security company that protects against SIM swapping and a few other things. But I don't, I don't want to dive too much into it um since we have you here Haseeb, we may as well ask you about uh your background first of all what how you got into mobile security and and then what your take is on you know staying relevant in that space
2: uh in cybersecurity or mobile industry at all uh let's let's stick with mobile right like that seems to be your specialty right now yeah. so yeah, yeah. i'm <laughs> trying to be trying to so. be yeah uh, yeah, so how I got into crypto, uh, how I got into mobile security, because I uh, spent eight hours on my phone every day, and this thing kept getting hacked, so we got hacked four times, uh, personally, uh, and it was a very simple attack, like SIM swap, so people who don't know, uh, people in big stores get bribed, so uh, like at and the world, and they have people all over, and they have two jobs, one is working in a store, second job is selling people data, so uh so you can buy the call logs, any personal information and ask them to switch the number to uh so if you pay someone five dollars, they will switch the number to a criminal, and criminal will use that to get into your account so that is something that was happening to me four times happened to me four times because I was running a bitcoin a t m and this one problem where people were hacking my number, and luckily, I was saved, but people use it to get into your account, steal all the money, and that's pretty common uh so I realized there's no cell phone service for important people. Like, you know, like I asked what the Bill Gates of the world will use. Like, you know, what Elon Musk of the world will use. And I realized, no, they use the same thing. That's why we have very high-profile celebrities getting hacked left and right. You know, Jack Dorsey got hacked around the same time. And I realized, okay, man, there's no like a first class for business services. Everyone is on the family plan. That, and if you are a, a multi-billionaire or like you know, person on the street, you basically have the same cell phone plan. So why there's no business class for cell phones? So I said, is there, a, is there a need to have a better cell phone plan? You know, like some cell phone plan that you want to talk to, like every time you have to call at and you don't look forward to talking to at and you know, cause you know, you'll be transferred and thrown between department and department. You know, it's not like, oh, oh I'd love to talk to my AT&T. So, uh, so I think there was a customer satisfaction because they were built for the masses and we don't expect them to, their goal is to provide cheaper cell phone service to as many people as possible. Um, so uh, so that was the brain behind it. I never thought it would be a business to be honest, cause I thought that it's such a stupid idea that um, uh, people should be able to do this. Like, and I think this problem will be solved in a, in, a, in a few months. So my goal was to start a company and then AT&T will figure it out and, uh, or Verizon will figure it out and say that, okay, we'll just solve this problem. Because so there's such easy problem to solve. Mm-hmm. And, and I, the more I learned, uh, I realized how hard it is to solve. And the simple problem for that was, it's not a revenue d- driver for anyone. If someone get hacked, it doesn't lose money to the carriers. And the big example is T-Mobile. As Christmas comes every year, uh, T-Mobile get hacked every year. Like the tax season there's a the hack season. So T-Mobile is getting hacked left and right. They don't have zero difference in their self- in subscriber base. No one left T-Mobile because they get hacked every six months because people want cheap services, the people want better. And they say, oh, you know, this is part of life. So they move on. Uh, they get bribed by a new phone and people take the step of the bribe and they keep the service. So, uh, so they figure out it's better to give people a new iPhone rather than fixing the cybersecurity. Yeah. So, so that's basically what people want. And as a the business, they are doing it right. So uh, so I spoke to a lot of companies and this this was like, yes, hacking is a big issue, but it doesn't lose us make money. So it's not like something that is discovered in in uh, in our board meetings. So I realized we can still build a nice business around protecting people who care about their cell phone security. And the niche is pretty small, maybe 1% people care about it, to a care to a point where they will actually make a change. No one will say that I want an unsecure cell phone, but would you pay extra 50 dollars for that? Not a lot of people would like to do that. So start off with that. Uh, our specialty is pretty simple. We guarantee SIM shopping. We provide better customer service. And we make sure if something goes wrong, we cover you $5 order insurance policy, similar to like life locks that the world have done, uh, or like identity theft protection, because I believe my telephone number is more important than a social security number. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much the rationale. And when I was working on Bitcoin ATMs, we realized that uh, our telephone number have more information on someone than your social security number. Uh, if you don't believe me, just go on Google and find out, to type your telephone number. There's a chance you'll find more information about you than your social security number, you know? Um and that's crazy. There's a lot of tools that do that for you. You put your telephone number, they'll tell you which credit card you have. That's crazy. You know, you can tell them which where do you live, which houses you had. You know, there are tools built for it. And what's your which social media do you use? So people have anonymous accounts and they believe they're secure, but the moment they put telephone numbers, uh, you can find someone's social media account, Facebook account. And that is all linked to your telephone number. So uh so rationale behind it, how can I make this boy the most secure thing, which I spent eight hours of my day? You yeah. know? Uh, so this is pretty much our the company is built around. And now how to in the relevant industry. It's, it's very, I always was as, a, as an entrepreneur I was always thinking scared about, uh, you know, you always have a platform risk about like, you know, you're building business or a company and company can shut you down anytime. You know, you build business on Facebook and Facebook can say, you know, today we revoke your API and you're done. You know, so your entire empire of, can collapse in a day. And it can happen to us too, right? Like, you know, and But I realized I spoke that um, there will always be a niche of people who want to be more secure. So we don't go after uh, at and and Verizon and say, you know, you guys are bad. I just think that it's a different market. And the market is like Brabus. You have Mercedes and you have Brabus. People buy Mercedes. People who want more, they go for Brabus. It's the same car. It's just better infrastructure, better brakes, brakes. You know you have Brembo brakes, you have bulletproof cars. You can go Rolls Royce and convert it to bulletproof. So we are the company who provide bulletproof. Not every not everyone knows bulletproof, but we work with companies to take off the liability. So we are actually a better for uh, these companies because we take off the liability from them yeah. in a way that they can pass on the high risk customer to us, so we can man- manage them. And now, the same one percent they can get rid of one percent customer and their cybersecurity. Budgets have to go to like zero almost, so uh, so that's how we 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 approach the business.
1: That's a, yeah, it's it's an interesting uh, use case. Like I don't I don't know if I've ever heard anyone actually explain it in that same way, right? Like when it comes to security around the uh, around the mobile devices specifically, right? Like is that they're not built for they they're not I, I mean they're built with security in mind, but Numbers specifically, like social security numbers back in the day, are used for authentication and authorization, but were never really intended for that purpose. Right? Um, it's intended to be the device that, or the mechanism by which someone contacts you. Right? That's that's it. But then we've we've layered on all of these other features on top of it, which were never intended and. We didn't think about security back in the day when there was a switchboard, right? Like it was just, you know, hey, we're doing manually switching. Now it's automated and now it's mobile and we've got wireless devices and we have to still be able to do the same sort of switching. So there's SIM cards involved and it allows for the attackers and those edge cases to be found to actually take those numbers over. So it's an interesting, you know, kind of thought process about how we got to this point that you know this these attacks actually exist and then also hey we're you know we're validating social media logins through sms messages or bank logins or whatever else like it sounds like the atm what you know the bitcoin atm stuff was the initial one for you but was it all like do you feel like most of those uh targeted attacks are because of being a high value or a high you know I guess, a high-value target, right?
2: Um, So it it depends, right? Like, I'll give you an example about myself. I'm a high target. Uh, Like, obviously, I'm secure myself, but people can actually want to go into my accounts and everything. What I've seen is there's also a sweet spot about, like, people who do not know anything, like cleaner citizens, or who do not have apps. uh, Like, they don't know about security, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So they are, like, you know, a lot of people would not use uh, Authy or, like, you know, hardware key. And they may have $20,000 in the bank account, and they think no one can come after it. And they will attack those people because they have absolutely zero security. practice. They'll be using Yahoo email with no password, right? Uh, Or like really shitty password. Their password has been breached a lot of times. So, uh, so there's also that people too, because again, it all comes out to ROI. You know, some person you can spend like five minutes and hack $20,000. That's the better ROI than you can spend one year than cracking your system. So high value targets normally have spent money on cybersecurity. But generally, the lower targets have not spent any money. So if you ask them, hey, you should switch funds, they say, no, I'm on a family plan that I don't know who owns. Uh, they would like to say $20 per month in return for a very bad app of security, you know? <clears throat> so yes, there is, but a lot of people will be like, you know, deprived of 10, 40, and you go to, you know, you lose $20,000, trust me, no one even cares about you losing 20, even $100,000. So if you go to FBI, they'll say, you know, that case does not work for us, you know? So they are left with nothing. They cannot spend lawyers. They can't do anything. I have friends who have highly value targets and they lost like millions of dollars and they were able to recover some of the money because they were able to spend money on lawyers. But if yeah. you have $20,000, no lawyer have interest in your business because they know the settlement is not going to cost you. No police want interest because they're not in a budget for it. And FBI will not even take your case.
1: Yeah, so it's only when it gets to be those, yeah, those huge amounts, right? So yeah, yeah. I- and and I think we've seen the same sort of attacks happen in the, um, uh, in the malware space or the ransomware space, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, they target those companies that are not going to, like, they're going to pay out $20,000, yeah. uh, pretty easily because it's a, it's a no brainer, but you know, it's going to hurt them, but it's not the same as going after a huge healthcare organization or something else where the FBI is going to get involved and you're going to have, um, yeah, you're going to have, a, you know, quite a response that pops out of it. That's interesting. Like so
2: Yeah, like yeah. lock-in, lock-in market is one of the, like, a price, uh, price, like, you know, kind of a target. But the moment you get into that, it basically becomes a matter of national security, right? And yet the target is big, but at the same time, you're coming. But, uh, uh, like, if you run, like, a small mom-and-pop shop and you are an architect who have $200,000 in their bank account, no one cares. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean,
1: the sad as that is to hear, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that that's cool. So let's let's talk a little bit, bit about the technical side of the solution, right? Like, you know, it it sounds like you then you know provide this this layer of security that goes into you know preventing swim sim swapping. You know, is that is there more? Like, are you working then with the AT and T's, T Mobiles of the world to you know prevent that? that sort of action from happening? Um,
2: how did you yeah, go yeah. about
1: researching that? Uh,
2: so uh, yeah, so in US, like, you know, we, there are three major carriers, AT&T, T-Mobile, and, and Verizon. So they are basically our platforms and they provide the coverage. Uh, and so we work is like, you know, if you go to like a store, you have, you hear about like 20 different brands on Walmart and uh, every one of them have the same model. They go to a uh, big carrier, they buy minutes in bulk and they resell those minutes. Uh generally why companies do that is because they actually have a um you know they not only target like very low profile, like you know, someone wanted a ten dollar plan, ATT doesn't want them in store. It's like credit union stuff, right? They don't want them in the store because Chase only wants a big person walking with a six-figure check, you know? Uh so that's how caders wanted to offload their their traffic and that's why MVNO were created. Mobile, so Mint Mobile, US Mobile, like you know, T-Mobile, you know, Cricket Mobile, Metro, they're like a of them. I think there are a thousand of them who have access. So to summarize, we do the same thing To We go to these carriers and we just say that, give us your minutes. So we buy minutes in bulk and we resell the minutes, we package them together. And uh, rather than targeting like we are the cheapest one, we focus on we are the best one, we are the most secure one. So because of that, we have the option of authentication and everything. So if you are working with us, we actually control if you leave the service or not. So because of that, of Bitcoin ATM experience, we know that how, with Bitcoin ATM, you can pretty much have dealt or came across any kind of criminal that you can think about. You know, think about any way of crime, people will have applied in crypto. So because of that, you learn a lot of stuff. And that's how I learned about how people can attack our system. So we pretty much... Uh, that's where relevance comes in. Like, you know, tomorrow, what kind of attack will come in? What new techniques are getting involved? Um, so uh, I think there's, an, there's a stat like 90, 95% of the hacks happen because of human error. Mm-hmm. So we just said that what if there is hum- no human involved in the process, you know, and what if we restrict everyone and what if everyone is criminal? So we made our plan super simple where you cannot make any change at all, even internally or externally. So that was our recipe to success so far is that no one can make any changes. So we apply the same thing as crypto happens, like someone is trying to hack your crypto wallet. So, uh, But because we, have a, uh, we don't offer anything else, like we only have one plan, one price. So people only call us, I want to leave the service. That's pretty much about it, which happened rarely. Uh-huh. So uh, other than that, we just say, we don't have anything, so you cannot make any changes. So we, can, we are able to afford very high level of authentication that other companies cannot do that other company you want to call in and you don't want to wait for two days to change, have a, make a change in your cell phone plan. You don't make like a seven days to get a new phone. Right. Uh, In our case, you have to wait because there's no other way of work around it. So, uh, so we can afford it to do things that a traditional company cannot do. It's not very scalable, but it works out well for us. Yeah. Our customer is not saying, Hey man, I'm getting $20 off on this plan. Can you give me an offer? We have a, we have zero retention department. So, uh, so, uh, so again, same multi-signature process that we follow on crypto, we follow the same in our, our industry and we build a business business around it. Cool. Uh, it's a niche product. It's like very, uh, very, only for special people. And we tell people that there's a reason why we are not for you. And I say this to everyone, like, we are not for you. We only work with the important people. That's it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I mean it's definitely a white glove service, right? And yeah. and I and I think like we have these discussions like in the security space quite a bit, right? Like, you know, I I think about and you know, Ken, you know, correct me if I'm wrong from your end too, as you've been internal more, but I know like when I start talking to companies, like I always ask that, you know, what's your what's your primary motivator here, right? are you looking for like real, like real security? Like you want to solve all the security problems that are in your code or you've got like a compliance check, right? Like that you have to, you know, you're being forced to do this and you're just looking for what's the cheapest price that I can get X accomplished and or, you know, like, because there is like, if it, it depends on that kind of interaction to determine whether or not someone is, is willing to spend, for the white glove service, right? And I think that's, that's what you're getting at, correct?
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, and also like uh, a lot of times security is something that you don't think about from a different, like I'll give an example, like when I get a flight, I normally look for cheapest price. You know, you look at, okay, there's the Delta and there's United going on, uh, you know, in the same direction and they're almost similar, one is half the price. I don't look at which one is the safer price. You know, you just assume that every airline is safe, right? You don't expect that. And similar to the same concept applied in cell phone too. People don't expect that XYZ services is basically uh, more secure than other service. And that's why, like, T-Mobile is the biggest example. Like, you know, the more they get hacked, the more revenue they get. Because people do not care. So they yeah. uh, think they have been hacked like, five, like eight times in the last five years. And uh, uh, so it's more than Christmas. But uh, at the same time, the revenue, if you look at their, their revenue, is growing every month. So general public do not care. So why don't we focus on people who do care and just focus on that Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it's great, right? Like it's a, it's a good model to have. Yeah. I mean, if you look at breach data, right? Like that was the most recent one from T-Mobile was, yeah. um, 30, million. Yeah, 30, yeah, 30,
2: million 37
1: million accounts. And it was an API that was actually, I mean, that was data in that case. Right. Um, that somebody was retrieving back, but that's always, that's always the difficult proposition, right? It it becomes a watering hole. It makes sense for an attacker to go after T-Mobile or like the more customers that they have, the more data that exists there.
2: And it's it's worth for us though. In cybersecurity, I say that every time, like, you know, it's not a win when any company gets hacked, frankly, like if a smaller company gets hacked, like they have now more power, more, more arsenal to come after us. It's basically, the more hackers are empowered the more weaker we become you know it's like you know giving money to criminals you know uh, yes today today they took a ransomware for someone now they have more resources to find against us and it's just a matter of time they will come after us and this is something that is we are only good till we are not hacked one day you are hacked and you know you are done so that is something that i'm scared of too like i'm something i'm afraid of because I could be good, but I don't know what I'm, not, I'm missing. So mm-hmm. every time, you know, same thing comes with relevance that maybe there are things that someone right now will be trying to hack me because they say, man, this guy's on the phone. Let me try to hack him, you know? And uh, so that as a CEO basically scares, scares me. And also uh, it's, a, it's the biggest fear in our business. It's not about losing customer, not about competition. It's about we losing our single proposition, which is security. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that, that I mean it it makes sense, right? Um yeah, I I, I don't know Ken, like it, you know, what questions do you have around like SIM swapping and, you know, the the other mobile security well, there were, issues? I mean, there were other things mentioned on the site besides We've talked a lot
0: about SIM swapping. There were some other things mentioned. I was more curious about the capabilities of which were like uh, cuz honestly, I've I've heard about um Oh, I forget the name but I have to go back to the site. But uh, catcher, you you to catcher, be... you
2: MZ catcher DNS hijacking and all those things. No, the fake tower attacks. That's that's, yeah, that's I was MZ. That's so MZ is basically a fake tower. And, uh, can you say that same... again? Sorry, what's that? MZ catcher, MZ catcher, fake I'm tower. Catcher. They're all the same things, right? So um it's the same thing. But yeah, I'm happy to talk about how the attacks happen and how it can uh, intercept. Is this something yeah, I you're doing?
0: A little bit about that and then i did want to at some point because i know you posted i know you posted about silicon valley bank and what yeah. that means and i and for those that are listening you know your background um yes you have an engineering background of course um and yes you know you're you're known for mobile security but also you're you're an entrepreneur you uh helped with the uh the y combinator startup stuff like the incubation it sounded like or at least the uh some part of that. And I know that you uh for sure have thoughts on the Silicon Valley Bank bit. So anyways, uh I wanted to hear a little bit about that as well after we we get into just a brief kind of breakdown on the uh the fake tower attacks and each sure. and you how bit. you sort
2: of uh, yeah. It's so things happening is the most they're, they're like hundreds of types of attacks that can happen, right? There's SQL uh, injection and happen where you, uh, there's manipulation. There could be like phishing attack is pretty common where you get like you know uh, you have a packet from S F- FedEx you click on it and you it allows you to enter your password or something that's pretty common. Uh, or you visit a website. So fake tower is a very sophisticated attack. It doesn't happen to a lot of people. Uh, it's very expensive to carry out because a lot of them happen because zero day vulnerability uh, attacks on mobile and I can cover zero day vulnerability too. Uh, but anyways, uh, fake tower is basically uh, your, as I have wi like I'm living in a house and because the house is big, you have fa- you have multiple Wi-Fi extenders. Similar to that, like, you know, we have towers where you can replicate an existing tower and turn into like a, your mobile will connect to the strongest tower. So someone can install a device in your house, which will basically act as just a signal booster. We have signal boosters. I don't know if people know that, but you can install a signal booster in your house um, to get better signals so you can have a signal booster which acts rogue what it does it basically for cell phone tower it exits your cell phone and from cell phone it exits your tower so whatever traffic it gets basically send one part to the tower but other particles towards uh you know like uh toward the uh toward the hacker so they can listen to your call they can intercept your text message they can do everything they want um, and that happens um it's not an easy attack to happen it's very expensive to Conduct because, first of all, you need physical access to someone, uh, proximity of someone. Uh, And the second thing, equipment is very expensive and uh, cost to conduct it is pretty high too. Like, you have to to literally physically go and and be close to someone and monitor, and it's highly illegal. And if caught, it could be like sim swappers. It's not a basic thing, but when it comes to uh, this type of attack, it becomes a matter of national security. So, so this is the attack that happens. You may hear about, there's also something called location tracking. where people can track someone's location by just a ping. Um, And example of that is where you have to do, um, uh, we have, uh, what do you call, uh, we have uh, uh, Amber Alerts, right? Like you say someone got kidnapped and So they, they ping to everyone, regardless of which connection you have and everything. So you can find someone's location just by pinging someone. So, uh, so that's a very dangerous attack. If you want to kill someone, you want to hurt someone, so you can literally find someone's location by being in any country. Um, and that's the most vulnerable attack. Uh, like someone may be sitting in their house and kind of hiding from someone, and you just say, ping the tower, and figure it out, because think about it, you have uh, expensive your arsenal, like you know, tanks going in, in Ukraine, and Russia can just basically ping, the, uh, ping them by because everything is cellular. And they can pinpoint where the person is, or they can kill the person. It's very risky. Um, so again, I, I'm happy to go into that, but that becomes very, very, uh, you know, boring discussion for a lot of people. But ultimately, someone can find your location. Someone can listen to your call if they have if they have the money to spend. Uh, so that's about uh, those towers. And now coming back to the point of um, I built a Bitcoin ATM machine. Uh, one of the co founded one of the Bitcoin ATM machine. We have like 10,000 location, half a million clients. And uh, we went through Y Combinator, which is the best incubator in the world, like Stanford for startups, you know, very hard to get in. Um, So uh, that's my background. My name literally means accountant. So my literally means my name is accountant. So obviously, I have obviously a lot of interest in in finance. And I don't think of any person in the world who says I don't have interest in money. So obviously Silicon Valley Bank is something because a lot of my friends have an account there. And I'm a victim of uh, one time, I lost a lot of money in exchange. Uh, where money was sitting there so I I have I feel that how you how the pain that you have to go through when you lose money like one day you're sitting and next day you have nothing you know so it's not because of fault of yours basically it's not like you bought a house and it went uh, burned into fire it's just basically you're putting money somewhere and you believe it was safe and it's not safe anymore so I think the government action right now is pretty good that it's uh, uh they came up and they pretty much bailed out and guaranteed everyone and I think people may have, oh, you are bailing out the capitalism and everything. But I think that's the wrong approach. Because imagine if Americans believe that the money is not safe in any bank, like you know, I think that's a, you know, that's very wrong. Like you know, how can you how can you have same kind of mindset where I'm just putting my money in, in, I'm putting my money in a bank, and I don't have time to look into the bank is safe or not, right? Yeah. It's like you getting into plane and the plane crash, and you say, oh, you should have checked if the plane was. Service properly. I don't have time for that, right? Uh, you know, so I think financial system. Whenever there's a bank on the street, regardless, you can think about the bank could be like expensive. The bank could be uh, not good quality service. The person could be rude, but you know, the money's safe. Whenever you want to walk into any bank anywhere in the U.S., you sh- you, you understand the money's safe, and that's the most trust that was being lost, confidence. And but it's not over yet. And the reason why it's not open right now, like I had money sitting in Chase account for zero percent you know, and now I can just transfer them in one click and transfer it to 5%, you know. So now my money that I took out from Chase Bank and goes into 5%. Now Chase doesn't have that money anymore. So they have to pick up their hold. So they have to borrow at 0% from someone. And if they don't have enough borrowers, then they have a liquidity issue because the banks have collaterals and they have to maintain the collateral which So there could be a bank run. Like if tomorrow everyone says that even 15% of any bank bankers say that we want money out they don't have the money and uh, so the more people want to take out the money the system can collapse and it's a ripple effect it's basically people lining up against uh the panic thing you know we are we follow social proofs so if uh, you know Seth calls like you know his friend jesse jesse i'm just going the oh what are you doing i'm just taking out my money jesse may run to the bank too and jesse may call you know john that hey man you want to take out your money too and uh, within minutes like you know this entire collapse happened in literally in 30 hours so, uh, so yeah. it's like a TikTok, it could be a tiktok trend like you use and, and this is very dangerous from a, from a, uh from a tact point of view. like think about russia like again i'm just taking example because they have algorithms or china can say tomorrow that i'm just basically showing every american a video of people withdrawing money from their bank account you know and they have the algos through there now everyone starts rushing to the bank, and this can, thing can just blow up. And within days, our system can financially can totally collapse. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, you touched on so
0: many things there. I think one of the, the the things that you know, like obviously we know the FDIC exists to to um, provide that um, coverage in the in the case of a bank failure, but that's a sing you know a singular sort of scenario. You're talking about you know a mass run on withdrawals from from every banking um institution major banking institution and and then that that being kind of the the overwhelming catalyst for just yeah mass mass uh bank financial failure really um and that's man so that that's a really interesting i know that there there are a lot of banks that fed off of silicon valley bank and so there were a lot of tech founders um in a really weird spot uh, until that until the treasury kind of stepped in and, and stated, you know, Hey, here's what. And, and, I, and, and I know that for, for me, who is a, you know, tech founder, co-founder uh, we did some things to move money around and, in ways to like uh, you know, protect ourselves, diversify a bit. But I realized, you know, during, during that as well, that, that man, what a right time for, for scammers to send, you know, spam messages. And, uh, you know, I think your product at this point then is well-placed for, you know, text messages like, hey, did you really just open this this new bank account? Or, hey, can you verify this to make sure that bank account's, you know, still going to be able to receive deposits or whatever whatever it might be. I definitely feel like we're going to see an uptick, uptick. And in terms of the uh, the mobile s- side of things, it sounds like you've got a solution that uh, can help there quite a bit. So are you feeling pretty good, though, overall, um you know, it sounds like you are with the with the response that the Treasury provided.
2: Um, it, it, it is, but, you know, you have to understand, like, a lot of things, basically, uh, the, the, the show is not over, right? I think they stopped it, but, like, if you look at First Republic, the bank stocks is down, like, 70 I haven't watched today, but 70% down, you know, and every time it goes down, the collateral requirement changes, the like dominant effect, right? Like, you have to collateral requirement, a lot of them is stocks. And I don't agree to the, the point of, uh, because... What happened is we there's one 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 issue that happened. The investors were wiped out. If I'm an investor, like investor is not like someone who's running the CEO, but investor could be like a pension fund who have money sitting in, in a bank, in a stock. Like you would like to buy Chase stock because this is the most safest stock in the world. You can say that, right? And if I don't trust in Chase Bank stock, then obviously uh, they have a liquidity issue. They are all like, you know, interlinked. Uh, I know it's a very popular decision to say that, hey, let's wipe off all the stocks owners, right? Uh, it's very, very... Um, uh, you know, it's very uh, popular that hey man, we kill the rich people and we save the poor people, you know. But ultimately, the stocks are not just owned by rich people; they're also owned by poor people as well. So, what about the guy who was had a stocks of SVP for the retirement fund? He got wiped out too. So he may be uh, thinking about it. So uh, I think response is good. I'm just worried about this treasury high rates. Like, why would someone have incentive to put money in zero percent? And the challenge becomes this it's not the big boys who will suffer, the smaller banks, like regional banks will be suffering because uh, they don't have collateral. They are basically, uh, uh, so uh, ultimate inflation is an issue. I believe inflation is a massive issue. And I think that uh, we're still recovering from COVID issue and then we have war that been funded for like, you know, uh, at a rate that is, uh, we could have, we could, we could have done much better things at home. So I'm politically against wars and I believe that uh, we, should, we can we have, bigger security risk than just killing someone. So uh, like TikTok is a massive issue. Like I just think that they can run a trend and destroy things. Cybersecurity is a big issue that in cybersecurity only because there are no bombs around it, like no missiles flying around it, it doesn't mean that or no bullets. It doesn't mean that we are not at war. We are at a war from an enemy that we can't even identify. And they are attacking from their own house without us having cannot even reach them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I
0: agree with that. I would say that one bad actor, one good placed, well placed, you know, spy or someone with uh, otherwise espionage related goals um, is much scarier than, you know, um, the damage that can be done with brute force and, you know, your traditional ground wars. I think that uh, you're not you're not wrong there. There, There's a lot of damage that can be done. Um, Actually, you know, there's this Netflix, uh, series that I, that I think is kind of talks about some of this called Spycraft. Super interesting. Uh, the only reason I bring it up is it actually does kind of break down some of the, uh, the ways in which, uh, yeah, one or two people or three people have, uh, created massive issues, um, and really compromised the security of our, of our, of, of the U S specifically. And I think maybe Britain might be talked about as well, but, uh, yeah. anyways i guess i'm saying there's evidence out there totally agree uh we're always at war that war looks a little different um you know given well, give yeah yeah,
1: yeah the, i mean the thing that i find interesting on that. See, back to your point about it being it's it, it's it's this kind of implicit trust that we have that we can walk into a bank and get our money right like you know and and but the the influence, like the way that the the that sector works, is that that the liquidity just isn't there to support everyone pulling out all their money at the same time, right? Um, and then you know all the conditions behind the scenes with the interest rates and you know how those banks are actually you know trying to spread and make money with the deposits that they have, so they can cover you know the whatever percent interest rate that they put in a savings account right like it, it it all kind of feeds into it so you see how it happened logically but it's really difficult to see how to protect against that sort of thing outside of guess what you know those that are in charge of those banks probably have to have some sort of a you know a protection against that right and like i don't want to get into the politics of everything that's happened and like the regulations that are there but my my main point was the the trust issues that we have and um right like we're also influenced by social media as it is like i know that i am i know that everyone in my circles are so you see something on tiktok on instagram that causes you to have trust issues then it you know it feeds into this this loop of hey i'm going to go get my money out and i'm going to tell other people to get their money out and then all of a sudden silicon valley bank goes down because Everybody that I knew was founders and they all were trying to withdraw, you know, millions, if not billions of dollars out of the bank all at the same time. And of course, they can't cover that liquidity. And bam, this is what happens, right? This is the end result. So when that feeds into other places and like if we can take advantage or if someone can take advantage of those trust, those trust issues that we have, right, like you can see it cascading and that's what that's where i think you're you were saying that it's not it's not done at this point right there's still maybe others that happen
2: yeah and also like it's about like i remember your covert days right like you know we were running out of supplies all the time because people said oh there's no supplies in the stores people were buying over buying and because over buying there was more shortage and because the more shortage people are buying more and this is all impact of like you know um like i live in puerto rico and uh what happened is that we had a hurricane like maybe five months ago or something and there was no gas because you were buying extra gas and the extra gas basically created more shortage and because the more shortage, people are going even more extra so uh, there was enough for everyone but people panicked and uh, that's the same thing can happen in, in a bank run that's pretty much classic bank run and in the past there was like you know you can you can like limit because how many people can run to the bank right now but if it's online i can be literally anywhere in the world and just click a button and take out like a million dollars in the past you do like people are carrying like cash suitcase. So they cannot take out like $10 million, but now they can with a click, they can. And it's much easier to call the bank run.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens, what sort of protections they put into place and, you know, how they actually limit withdrawals when it comes down to it. Because I mean, that was the traditional, you're right. Like physical, it was a lot easier to be like, Hey, guess what? We're only going to let people withdraw a couple hundred dollars at a time. Yeah. But you know, uh, yeah, digitally, that's not that same restriction is just going to maybe even cause more panic or more people to try and withdraw, right?
2: Yeah, now, ultimately, everything comes down to trust, right? I trust, like, you know, you trust that your phone will work, you trust that this recording will go up, and that's how the trust is. But if, you don't, if the trust is not there, there's a massive cost of trust. And I talked this about, uh, like, look at, like, our airport security. Uh, there's a trust that people can be criminal, there's no trust, right? So we have to spend hours and hours in line that we'll be spending in something over. So our cost of flying has gone up because you have to spend extra money on, because no, there's a lack of trust. Imagine there's no checking on the airport because we trust that everyone is a good person and we just pass by, we can probably save like maybe billions of dollars every year. So -hmm. whenever there's a lack of trust, the cost goes high. That's why the cost of, um, you know, lending to people with subprime, uh, you know, like, it, it, your credit score is higher because you don't trust them that they will return the money, so their cost is higher. It's similar, goes in any industry. Whenever there's a lack of trust, the, the cost goes up. Yeah. And uh, if you have a good credit score, there's the more trust you will return the money. Your interest rate is good, perfect, you can survive. But lower the trust rate, higher the interest rate, it's all a cascading. It's the same goes with the banking system. So, how we have a massive trust in our banking, which is pretty much very low right now. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I I mean, it'll be interesting to watch, right. It has been the last few days and you know, like I, I, I do like being in the West, like in the Western U.S. I do know some people that work at or worked at Silicon Valley bank. Now they're working for a different entity and not at like an executive level. And it's been interesting to talk to them about the situation because they have nothing to do with, you know, Hey, we're, you know, we have these, you know, whatever, like the mortgage backed securities or whatever that the company is buying and like all those decisions. They're more on the IT security side of things. And from that perspective, everything looks like kind of business as usual or it did up until Friday. And they got this email that was like, oh, and we are now done and, you know, yeah. taken over by the FDIC. And so I like my heart goes out to those because that that that's where it hits, that's where it becomes a reality for a lot of people that aren't necessarily in those Decision-making roles, or in other places, because it it's going to affect their livelihood on a on a daily basis.
2: And I'm sure said that you may have friends who are basically they're the common bankers are evil, right? They're the kind of a taboo around banking, like oh, every banker, like they work on Wall Street, they live in a penthouse, uh, or they are basically driving like a Rolls Royce or something, and they are, uh, but not actually a lot of bankers are really helpful, right? Like you know, if you don't have bankers the system, financial system can collapse, right? Like we, I didn't take a mortgage uh, from Silicon Valley Bank or never banked with them personally, but they helped a lot of my friends. And, uh, and I don't know why people are happy over a bank going down. I think this is worse that once thriving business have gone down, we have less people to support our, our ecosystem.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it does, right? Like it, it it does reduce the effectiveness and the options that we have to actually go get, loans or, you know, as, you know, tech founders to actually, you know, have a service that is, or a bank that is focused on providing services specifically to VC funds and other places, right? Like, so it, it, it does change the landscape. Um, yeah. It, I I mean, it's, all, it's all just, you know, pretty interesting how it, like, even though it is banking, it's affected, you know, security and everything else that goes into our
2: world absolutely so again we shouldn't celebrate someone fall down right i think uh, we should basically celebrating we should be this is not a moment of proud to be this is a moment of to reflect and to support each other businesses and uh, everyone among you i we all depend on each other if you go down i'll go down maybe not today maybe tomorrow
1: yeah yep that's a, i mean it's a good way to think about it right like in general when breaches happen or security issues happen or banking issues like in this case um there is a tendency to you know we want to know the dirty details um because it's it's interesting to see how the attacks happens how the breaches has happened but we do have a tendency to celebrate that it you know they had an issue or whatever it is without realizing that it it does affect us and like it could be us next right like absolutely well, it,
2: yeah. And, and if they didn't come after us this way, maybe we got lucky. But tomorrow they are getting more power. They have more money to spend on breaking us, right? They have more arsenal to them tomorrow. And uh, uh, again, we only stand together if we're together. Uh, you and I, we uh, represent part of U.S., so we have to be. Um, uh, we have to hold each other to be. So as a as a country, we can progress.
1: Yep. Well, good.
2: Um, Well, we, we, we do want to be
1: cognizant of the time Haseeb, like, you know, thank you for jumping on. Sorry. We had like some miscommunications on, you know, um, setting up the stream and everything like that, but it's, it's been interesting to think through both the mobile security and the SVB stuff. Um, Is there any place that people can meet you or can come talk to you more? Like how, how would someone reach out to you?
2: So I've already joined your Slack group, so they can find me always there, right? Awesome. Okay. Uh, so, so that's like, you know, you can post your group. But otherwise, we are afani.com. Um You can type if you can mobile. I'm pretty active on Twitter as well. My Twitter handle is Hasib, H-E-S-W-E-B. Um, and that's pretty much easier way to find out. The want to email you hasib at afani.com. That's pretty simple. Uh, but otherwise, I'll be active in your Slack, so you can, anyone can ping me there. So that's Great. easy to find
1: I, I know there's going to be some questions on some of those technical attacks, too, right? Like we didn't yeah. get into a lot of that today, but you know yeah. I know we do have quite a few, especially kind of on the you know the the mobile app side of things like we do a lot of that and like specifically from the application side of things yeah, so sure. um, Ken, any other final questions or thoughts before we call it for today?
0: No, i just appreciative of your time. Uh, so thank yeah. you for hopping on and sharing your knowledge and your time. Yeah.
1: Good. All right then, um, yeah. Outside of that, like I said, you know, this you know, specific episode was uh, is sponsored by Redpoint Security. Um, reach out to them for application security needs. And uh, otherwise, we will see everyone next week. Uh, and yeah, I, I think that's it, Ken. Unless you got something else.
0: Thank you. Okay. Right.
1: Thanks everyone. Have a nice Thank day. You. Bye. Bye i